0: hello 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 it's another time of recording another blog i normally write these things down depending on the way i feel and uh when i find something that chat that challenges me and pushes me then i go for it all right right now i'm going to be talking about the blog that says abraham justified by works and this is coming from the same passage in james where it says, "Oh, what wasn't Abraham justified by works?" when he did so and so? Because people who challenge the gospel of grace, they see this verse and go, "Ha ha! There you go." Abraham was definitely justified by works, according to James. Now, we all know that we are grace people. Alright, we people who believe in grace and there are those other Christians who, they don't say that they are anti-grace, but they really don't like this grace movement. This, the grace of God, like just rely on God, focus on God, look onto Jesus. They don't really, they call it the hyper grace, there we go. They don't believe. Well, if you point to them in the Bible. Oh, the Bible says, We're saying abound. Grace super abounds. That is grace hyper abounds. Super, hyper, same um, root word. They will say, well, I don't believe. They may look at that and say, Well, I believe that Bible passage. But I don't believe in this grace movement that's going on about. Like, okay, you are against the movement, you are not against the doctrine. All right? There is the difference between the word of faith, for example, the word of faith movement and the word of faith doctrine. The word of faith doctrine, well, it's doctrine. Jesus said in the Bible, if you say to this mountain, be thou uprooted, be thou plucked off, and be planted in the sea, and don't doubt in your heart, it will be done to you. Did Jesus loving say that or not? Of course he did. No one is disputing that. However, is the word of faith movement present day ecclesiological historical cultural thing not necessarily the doctrinal thing however those who are actually adhere uh, who actually adhere to the word of faith movement um don't see the pitfalls where they may be adding extra to the word of faith doctrine or where they may be um explaining the word of faith doctrine. From an isegetical perspective rather than having a healthy exegetical perspective. So that's just to throw that out there. Now just to point out the difference between um the movement and the doctrine. So no one has anything against the grace doctrine or the hyper grace doctrine where it says I mean the Bible did say it so I don't know if, if you want know to debate the Bible be my guest but the Bible did say hey where grace ab- where sin abounds, grace super abounds the Bible said that in the context of knowing that there will be abusers of grace out there so hey more power to them. If you want to abuse grace, <sighs> and then there are those who also end up feel, feeling guilty that they may be abusing grace, even though they just need to drink a little bit more, and more, and more, and more, and more, and more, and more until grace becomes sufficient. I mean, look at Paul in the Bible. I mean, we're we're not talking about the Pope right now. We're not talking about John MacArthur. We're not talking about any pastor or any evangelist you may respect. We're talking about Paul. As Pastor T.G. Jakes once said, we're talking about Paul, y'all. We're talking about Paul. Miracle-working Apostle Paul Wrote the Bible In with the whole church Well, more than half of the New Testament Which we base our Ecclesiological On on understanding from Foundation Paul, guys, Paul He said I have a thorn in my flesh Oh A Messenger from Satan to berate me so that I do not get proud. Well, Mr. Paul did have uh some sin, and whatever that sin is made him proud, and a messenger of Satan berated him. Now there have been many theologians and scholars who've tried to you know talk about. What the heck, Mr. Paul, is this thorn in the flesh? Some say he was getting too proud because of the revelations he was receiving. Some say that it was his Pharisee attitude that just kept on cropping up. Coming over his neck and trying to make him Mr. Holier than hell. Some say that it was, um, he was a single man. For the rest of his life so he and he went to some shady places to go evangelize like corinthians like i know Cor. i know no he went to corinth the people of corinth are called corinthians if you know what corinth was in those days woo! I think they had the temple of Diana uh, there, right? And I believe that they had all sorts of sexual promiscuity, man. Even that which is just too shameful to start talking about right now. Hey, Think about the sexual promiscuity. It was probably happening there under the name of a certain God Pedophilia? Definitely. Bestiality? Definitely. Homosexuality? Well, what's wrong with homosexuality? Well, excuse me, I'm a Christian. Don't be Christianophobic. I'm just saying what I stand for and what I believe. We, We don't accept that demonic spirit of homosexuality. You may struggle with it. Now, you may look at me and go, Well, I do accept you when you speak about pedophilia. It's wrong. I do accept you when you speak about bestiality. It's wrong. Well, on what standard? On your standard? On your emotional feelings? Sorry, you're not objective. Only God's morality is objective. Now, all sorts of sins were happening. Sins. A sin is different from a crime. A sin is an offense against God. A crime is an offense against your society. So, just because something isn't a crime, doesn't mean that it is not a sin. So, Paul would definitely... Went to some of these places. He was a single guy. He knew what it meant to burn with passion and not have self-control when it came to sexual stuff. Is it possible that he had that? Probably. Is it possible that he had some health conditions? Probably. So whatever the thorn in the flesh of poor was, we just don't know. <laughs> but maybe that's also intentional maybe that's also intentional so that you can put yourself over there and say wow paul guys of all people who shouldn't have a thorn in the flesh paul is the one who shouldn't but he does when paul went to god to go ask him three loving times and said oh god Lord Jesus, take away my thorn in the flesh, I need your help. God could have said to him, my discipline is sufficient for you. No, he didn't say that. He could have said, my punishment for all of this pride you have and all of this sin that keeps attracting a messenger of Satan in you, my my punishment is sufficient for you no he could have said my condemnation is sufficient for you when I look at you in a disgusting way no God said my grace is sufficient for you three times so I don't know why anyone wants to look at the gospel of grace as incomplete. The gospel of grace is sufficient and complete. But I will bring that up in the future. Uh, if you want to read my blog, rdlogo.wordpress.com, Feel free to go over there and go check it out. Now, there is a place in the Bible that really does confuse some people, as I was saying earlier. When they are walking in pure, undiluted grace of God and not trying to impute works into their salvation journey with Jesus. And that is the place in the Bible where it says, James chapter 2 verse 21. Listen carefully. James chapter 2 verse 21 was not abraham our father justified by works when he offered isaac his son upon the altar i repeat one more time was not abraham our father justified by works when he offered isaac his son upon the altar now compare what james is saying in james chapter 2 verse 21 to romans chapter 4 verse 2 Romans chapter 4 verse 2 where Paul says this for if Abraham were justified by works he hath uh, he hath whereof to glory but not before God I repeat again for if Abraham were justified by works He hath whereof to glory, but not before God. Well, if you're not glorying before God, who are you glorying before? Well, you're glorying before men. So, what the heck is going on here? Are Paul and James contradicting themselves? How are we to understand these places? Well, this is where contextual scope must be seen clearly. Like, don't lose the plot. We, if we only looked at the letter, rather than the spirit or heart of accurate scope being espoused here, We would be failing in basic common communication. As I said earlier in my former podcast, there are two types of doctrinal faith. Heaven bound faith and earth bound faith. Now, some people call heaven bound faith saving faith. But I believe that my distinction makes more sense because if you call what I term as earthbound faith, um, the way other theologians and scholars call it, they call it non-saving faith, then you poetically and linguistically miss a much more deeper understanding of faith and only keep faith in the saving category so that you see other kinds of faith as non-saving faith. While this is true, it it's just a matter of artistic preference that I go this route of calling it earthbound faith. Think about it. The context of faith that James is talking about is an earthbound faith. And the context of faith that Paul is talking about is a heaven-bound faith. When James is sounding like he is contradicting Paul, and he is saying in James chapter 2, verse 14, What doth it profit? My brethren, though a man say he had faith and have not works, can faith save him? Sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? But you have to read the whole context and capture the contextual scope. Don't lose the spirit of the whole communication and just concentrate on the letter. Jesus accused some people in the Bible of obeying the letter of the law rather than the spirit or the heart of the law now reading this at the first verse makes your mind go what but have you read to uh have you read far further than judge james chapter 2 verse 14 to capture or to understand the context for what james said now he goes on after sin can faith save him in james chapter 2 verse 14 and goes on in verse 15 and 16. now if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food and one of you say to uh, say unto them depart in peace be ye warmed and filled notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body what doth it profit so the context is about earth bound faith. That's I've just spoken about James chapter 2 verse 15 to 16. So now we now start to see this earth bound faith begin to contextually show itself. It says that faith without works does not profit us in the context of it, of it profiting brothers and sisters verse 15 james chapter 2 if a brother or sister be naked what does it profit anybody it's an earthbound faith it's a faith where you believe for earthly issues I am naked I am destitute of daily food and you say go in peace no it ain't gonna do nothing When you have an earthbound faith, you need to commit to actions. When you have a heaven-bound faith, if you try committing to any action in order to gain any kind of pleasure or any kind of success with God, my friend, you're failed. But if you want to achieve success on earth, oh boy, oh boy, you gotta do actions. You gotta do actions. Now, to believe without doing earthbound actions, that can lead you to the solutions of such issues. Well, that earthbound belief is dead. Now it goes on to show us something in that same context, which some people who are skeptical about this hyper grace movement. Um, I don't know what else the hyper grace movement is, but um, I try to point out the hyper grace doctrine as much as possible. It is inevitable that the hyper-grace doctrine being espoused by me over and over again, even though the Bible says so, um, will eventually turn into a movement just because somebody espouses it. If If I only preached about the love of God, the love of God, the love of God, Someone's going to accuse me something about only or about creating a love movement, God's love movement. So I don't know the dividing line, but if there be any doctrinal miscalculation, misspeak, or I'm just not getting it right, I would rather like to be challenged and told to be shown, hey, I don't think you're getting this doctrine of grace correctly or this doctrine of super abounding grace or hyper abounding grace correctly. Now, if you go on in that same context of James chapter 2, you see something. It's as it speaks of Abraham as though it was trying to confuse us because we see Abraham in this context interacting with God This might look like heaven-bound faith just in the mere picture but we have to look in deeper to see what is actually being said there in this context But let us not forget that the analogy of Rahab was likewise equated to the same context to dis- to show us the obedience of Abraham. Faith producing obedience in Abraham is equated to faith producing obedience in Rahab. Hmm. Food for thoughts, isn't it? I mean, now nah. Abraham, even though these two analogies to tell us that faith without works is dead for those who are still a little bit skeptical that this is an earthbound faith and now you're looking at well god's god is interacting with abraham so it has to be a heavenbound faith because the divine is coming into the picture right now it's not like somebody was hungry or somebody was naked but God spoke to Abraham. Go sacrifice your son. And so Abraham now decided to take action and therefore show faith. Was it saving faith? Well, God saved Isaac, didn't he? Hmm. I'm just trying to talk like people who are going to criticize the hyper grace doctrine and go hey you've got to work i do understand that there is work that must be done but work in what context work in what faith context is it in the faith context of earthbound stuff or is it in the context of heaven bound stuff Now, even though we can see this about Abraham, about how God is speaking to him, the other equated analogy is the equated analogy of Rahab. Did God speak to Rahab? Nope, not in the way that God spoke to Abraham. Well, this same example, these two analogies have been used In this context, in order to draw for us a certain kind of communicative picture. Abraham, as I said, Abraham, Rahab, maybe she didn't hear directly from God. Maybe it was indirectly through her conscience. Maybe you could say that. So the divine, then in that case, God is speaking to everyone. I'm just showing that these two examples even though they are equated these two people cannot be so different. Rahab she helped the spies to escape. Accommodated them. How did she help the spies to escape? Well, Rahab was a harlot. Let's just a prostitute. So, how did God speak to her again? I mean, didn't God tell her a thousand million, billion times, uh, don't whore yourself about? And she didn't listen, but she still did it. Well, how was she able to have this fear of God and love of God and still be a harlot. Hmm. I know that there are certain people like uh I know, like I always bring Pastor Joshua Selman because he's a high profile man and um I am nobody. I'm just a simple Christian brother speaking to his podcast and uh hopefully one day these uh podcast is going to bite me in the ass one day in the future when I become somebody very big and important (laughs) but right now I'm just speaking to myself and having a little bit of fun you know just talking to my podcast and I'm just bringing him down because or bringing not him down but bringing his argument down that um the gospel of grace is incomplete really well, because he's spoken to more people than I can ever dream of. So I just, I just speak my speak and then I leave the rest. Because uh, at least for my own sanity, when I re back to my podcast, I always enjoy it. So, uh, hey, I thank God for this generation that we live in. That we can actually cre- create free podcasts and make money from it. That is fantastic. What I'm saying right now about this is that these two people, Rahab and Abraham, in this context of faith without works, they look a little bit odd when kept side by side in this doctrinal example. Rahab was a prostitute, Abraham wasn't. uh, Rahab used lies. To let these pe- the spies escape. She told the people they are not here. But she hit them. Did, does God really command Rahab to use lies to achieve his purpose? Nope. So God's speaking to one person, Abraham. God's not speaking to another person, Rahab. But both in this contextual example are displaying some sort of faith without works is dead. That is what I term as earthbound faith without works is dead. Hmm. What some Christians do not do. Is that they forget too quickly the verses around the context. And they single out that one verse. Where it says that Abraham was justified by works. James chapter 2 verse 8. James chapter 2 verse 8. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith. And I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works. And I will show thee my faith by my works. Did you see the word there? Show me. This is definitely earthbound faith. To create earthbound bound Prophet, If you have faith and you want to show me a normal human being, then you have to show me who lives here on earth by displaying some earthbound demonstrations. But that Bible passage did not say show God your faith by your works. God does not need your external works that is secondary to him and far less important than your heart work, your internal work, You can lie to God with your external work but you can't lie to God about your internal work because of the New Testament. The Bible says in Romans Romans chapter 6, I believe. Just a moment, let me grab out my Bible. Romans chapter 6 it says that there is therefore now no condemnation. Romans chapter, is it 6 or 12? Chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the spirit of life sets me free. Free from the law of sin and death so i'm not under the law of moses anymore i'm not under the law of sin and death but i am under the law of the spirit people are going to hell Not because they fail to, thou shalt not sin, thou shalt not do this. But because they are failing, people go to hell, not because of external works anymore. Jesus paid for that. People under the New Testament are going to hell because of internal works. Your faith and your belief. Like, it's so obvious. If you go to a place as simple as John chapter 3 verse 16. John chapter 3 verse 16. It says that, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever works out for him. No. That whosoever does external works. No. No. But he said, whosoever believes on him, the prerequisite for not perishing and having eternal life is not to do exter- external work. The external work is secondary. The external work comes later. What, God, what sends people to hell is your heart work believe in the gospel that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus do you believe that Jesus has taken the law from the outside and is now writing it on your heart so that you now naturally do good things have a heart for doing good things Look at what God, who never changes, said in 1 Samuel, chapter 16, verse 7. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance, or on the heights of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. Today you have sinned. Yesterday you have sinned. Tomorrow you will sin. It's your habit. Do you think that, as for, for those who resist the grace? doctrine or their hyper grace doctrine do you think God is stupid? What kind of person will you offend today? Offend yesterday? Offend tomorrow? Apologize and continue to forgive you forever? Only somebody who is demonstrating grace only somebody who is not regarding your external works anymore. So why do you beat up yourself when your external works are not complying with your internal works? Just work out. Remember how you were saved. How were you saved? Ephesians chapter 2. Just remember How you were saved. Ephesians, I believe, chapter 2, verse 8. You were saved by grace through faith. Ephesians 2, verse 8. You've been saved through faith by grace, not of yourself. It's the gift of works, verse 9. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship. He is working us out. He is giving birth to us. Being born of the Spirit. Like nobody is asking you to give birth to yourself. We're asking you to let the Holy Spirit give birth to you. He is giving birth to us. We are his workmanship. What baby in the womb ever wants to bring themselves out? That baby is only going to hurt themselves. Let your mother push. Let your mother push you. Don't hurt her. Don't do it yourself. Let her bring you forth which God prepared in advance. He created us in Jesus to do good works, not because we're doing good works of our own creation or or of our own workmanship, but to do good works because of the internal saving of of, 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 of through faith by grace. Now, because we have this understanding, we can now work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Why? Because it is God working in us to do good works. You know, it's like people who go to the gym you already have muscles that have been worked in you by your DNA, by nature, by God. Go to the gym and work it out. You already have salvation worked in you. God works. God has worked salvation into you. Now work it out. But, work it out just means... Just show it. But it's going to be a struggle because you also have sin habits. Your essential source is righteousness. On the outside, you have the cloud of sinful habits because sin used to be in your source before and God just changed your source, you know. It's like having a radioactive planet right, Uh, uh, that the core of the planet is radioactive and for many years the atmosphere of the planet is toxic then one day god now changes the core of the planet and the planet is now purifying not nuclear toxic just so purifying On the outside of the planet there's gonna be a little bit of um toxicity but the more rain continues to fall the more the atmosphere is changing the more the oxygen concentration of the planet gets better and better the planet starts to get purified in fact there was a time according to evolutionary history where you couldn't live on earth where earth was just a toxic place to live in. People are complaining about climate change nowadays. The climate change of those days before animals came on earth and before living creatures came on earth was toxic. Your external demonstrations don't matter to God. However, they matter to me. Alright? If you're a psychopath who used to enjoy killing people, if you're a rapist who used to enjoy raping people, and you gave your life to Jesus Christ, and Jesus saved you, but you still have Certain psychopathic habits or pedophilic or raping habits that are in you. If you come one more time to my children, to my family, and you try to hurt them, I promise you, I will exert the full power of civil law upon you. And you will be going to jail for many many years. It does not pro it does not profit me that you have a faith on your inside, that you are not a radioactive toxic person, and you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. you are blowed. But and you are purified and you are made beautiful in Him. Yet you still struggle with these things. Get a grip, get a hold of yourself, and uh, discipline yourself. Okay. That's just me. However, just because I end up treating you harshly, or I end up treating you badly does not mean that the way God sees you stops mattering. God matters more than me. Let me say that one more time. God matters more than me. I could throw you in jail. I could sue you to court. I could even send you to be killed. Doesn't matter. All right, doesn't matter. What matters is that you keep you keep your sincerity with Abba Father and the one who cares for you more than I can ever care for you. I know the Bible says love your enemies, you know, and uh, love your neighbor, but look, I don't fall fo- I don't for fo- focus on my love for anybody I focus on God's love for everybody <laughs> I love you not with the love with the love of Ernest I love you with the love of Jesus and I do not have the power to love you with the love of Jesus but the Holy Spirit works it out in me to will and to do God's good pleasure Let your intentions be true. Let your heart be true. It is out of the fullness of the heart that the mouth speaks. People confuse heartfulness and heart. God concentrates on your heart and it is out of the heartfulness of your heart that your actions correspond. If you find your Earthbound prophets not showing in actions, yet please do not doubt your heaven bound prophet. If you are still struggling with pornography and lusts, keep on looking on to Jesus and not to yourself. Because it is out of the fullness of the heart that the that your actions will correspond and so because people confuse heartfulness with heart people also confuse faithfulness with faith god does not need your faithfulness or your faithful actions he only demands his priority your belief your faith hey God is not sending people to a hell because of faithfulness. God is not sending people to a hell because of heartfulness. God is sending people to a hell because of faith, because of belief. This is the New Testament for those who choose to be married to Jesus. He only demands faith. Don't be like Eve in the Garden of Eden who went on to go add sh- uh sugar, spice, and everything nice to the word of God. God said, don't eat of the fruits. Eve went to say, well, don't even look at it. Don't even touch it. And Don't even learn it. Don't even learn it. Be a student of the word of God. Rightly dividing the word of truth. Let God's word be true and everything else be a lie. Remember, in the book of Revelation, there's a curse for anybody who adds or subtracts from the word of God. Obey him exactly as he says. Where he tells you to go the extra mile, go there. Where he says that it is your belief that gives you eternal life or your disbelief that gives you eternal death, take him at his word. He never says your action towards god makes your faith invalid your heaven-bound faith is not invalidated by you by your earth-bound a- actions god sees your heart so don't be a faker don't pretend let your intentions be true to god second corinthians chapter 3 verse 18 Second Corinthians chapter 3 verse 18. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Don't look don't focus on your earthbound actions. Focus on your heaven-bound actions, which is your heaven-bound inner actions, your faith actions, your your belief, all right? It may not profit any man on earth, but it will profit God. You will give him pleasure. To see that you are obeying him. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Father, thank you, O oh God. We've learnt about Abraham being justified by works because Abraham obeyed you and was able to show us, the readers, that his faith was faithful thank you for helping abraham's heart because he was already justified in your sight and you don't test men to failure you test us to to success to say hey my son look at what's in your heart, and i'm going to prove it to you and then the test comes and they were like wow who knew i could love god this much who knew I could obey God this much. Father, help our hearts, O God. Help us to look unto you. Help us to obey you. Help us to trust in you. And help us to continue in the faith. And not to be shaky or lose our assurance of faith. To know that you love us and you care for us. And by your grace, it will pour out into the faithful into the heart full in the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, O God. Let your name be glorified in the highest in Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name I have prayed. Amen. God bless you all. Have a wonderful day.